You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Tell me it's Monday without telling me it's Monday. Well, this is round two of us recording the podcast. <laughs> okay. Man, we were having such a good – actually, it was really terrible. You guys missed a it's, – it's a good thing that happened because we started off to like the worst beginning of Uncensored on, uh, forever. I actually introduced us as the No Low Ballers podcast. That's that's how bad it was. So Is everything welcome, recording now? We are. Yeah, right. we're good. So welcome to an episode of Uncensored. And uh, – uh, this this episode is brought to you by Gunbroker and our partners of No Low Ballers. So that's where my head was at. We did so many No Low Ballers at Shot Show that I got a uh, I, I kicked us off last time on the wrong podcast because I just I, like after hearing Logan say it thirty five times. I think we or was it thirty six shows we did thirty six thirty six shows. Actually though, uh, those are starting to come out. So is the 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 big one the one of the big ones? We had a lot of big guests, but have we? launched the the big one yet yep so when this comes out the episode for donald trump jr will have already dropped yeah and uh was who's that uh so what is up with your mic your mic is like almost in your eyeball (laughs) (laughs) boy no i like you oh my god no touching (laughs) who was that who brought her um the so so donald trump jr is the publisher of Field Ethos. That's also a joke. I know who he is. No, I'm, I'm telling the audience. I know, Erica, but I this was is like, a podcast. I, There's people listening. It's I not know, just me but, talking to you. But we go on TikTok, and I'm afraid that people are going to be like, this Oh, that'll be the clip. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, some, I mean, that, that that is one of the interesting things about him. The guy's very polarizing. Like, you either love or hate. Mm-hmm. Don't, like, you, you people do not fall into this gray area with him, or at least a lot of people don't. You know what's and, funny about that? Just quick point on that. I bought a fly fishing book about fishing streamers by george daniels and the foreword of this book was done by donald trump jr big angler big fly fisherman Hmm. there were people just ripping into that as like critique of the book how could you ever let like you had me until that forward it's like well, and you listen. Well, they, we didn't have you very long then, because the yeah. forward is literally. And you listen. Well, they bought this forty dollar book. <laughs> yeah. And they look at it. They're like, "Well, this is garbage now." Yeah. yeah well, and you listen to the podcast, and you said it was pretty good. Oh, it's it's very entertaining. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything polarizing in it, other than at one point he kind of makes it seem like he grew up. And every man. Un, <laughs> like unprivileged. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, no, it's great. It's it's good conversation, but but with Phil Ethos, you know, with a lot of the content they're doing is really good. I would put yeah. it. I mean, it's it's and some of the stories I've read are better than some of the other outdoor publications that have been doing it for a long time. I think I mean they they've got some really great talent. We were mm-hmm. talking to Brandon Butler uh, at Shot Show, who is a distinguished writer. I mean, the guys um, with Driftwood Acres. If you haven't read his column, syndicated across I don't know 
20, 30 newspapers. Um, and Brandon was giving him high praise for the team he's brought in. But anyways, that show just launched, so go check out No Low Ballers. That's our collaborative podcast with Gunbroker. And uh, make sure you check out Gunbroker if you're looking for a shotgun for turkey season. you got plenty of time to get that. Uh, well, I guess you do if you're – some of the southern states, of the youth seasons, I believe, have already kicked off. But oh, yeah, in February. You can get after it. You can get it shipped to your local FFL. It's super easy. Uh, go check that out and check out the No Low Ballers episode we're talking about. All right, I have something. I actually – you guys were making fun of me for bringing notes to Uncensored, although my notes are literally a torn envelope, envelope, however you say it. Yeah, I tried to peek uh, at them. I can't yeah, read your handwriting. Yeah, I – you know, I'm so unpracticed at writing these days. I literally – like, it's kind of illegible. You know, it's um, funny. I go to do cursive, and it's way cleaner than my yeah. hand print. Yeah, that's, that's awful. That's, uh, mine, mine is chicken scratch. But I, I was kind – of before – we started the show. I was reading about something. I was like, man, this would be an interesting conversation for Uncensored. There, um, I go to sportsmansalliance.org looking at their news section because it's always a good, like, you can quickly kind of see what the temperament is within the industry, shooting sports or trapping, hunting, fishing. And I keep seeing credit card, credit card, credit card. And I, I had a pretty good idea what it was about. But it's interesting conversation for this show because I think a lot of people don't know this is happening yet. And there are uh, there are proponents of adding a merchant code, which is how the credit card company kind of knows what you're spending on. If you're a bank, you ever see your bank or, or you have these services that can like estimate that you spent this much on food, this much on groceries, this much on entertainment. They're pulling that from that merchant code. So that's telling them what kind of business you purchase from. So gas stations, whatever it is, you know, um, the challenge with, with this is that uh, those codes are not always accurate, right? Like your local grocery store, you could buy patio furniture from. So the, the, that's the challenge with it. But these, the, what's happening is there, the New York attorney general, um, along with California and a couple others are tr pushing for these merchant codes for firearm retailers. And so they want to be able to track that you bought a gun. The problem is I could go to Bass Pro, I could go to KY Gunco next door. I can go wherever, uh, these firearms retailers and I could buy, you know, uh, $7,000 gun safe. And the, there's no way from that merchant code to know if that was a $7,000 gun safe or $7,000 for a Daniel defense and ammunition or whatever it is, you know, there's no way. And so the opponents of this are saying like, Hey, this is there's, well, a that's privacy, right? Just from a privacy perspective, you have no right to be able to track these firearm purchases B, you can't do it anyways. There's no way, right? Like there's no way you could accurately track this, but it was in, the interesting thing for what I was looking at, um, you know, Indiana, New Hampshire, and Utah are states that are already getting ahead of this and saying, Hey, when this comes out, we're not doing it. You're, you're not going to be allowed to use these codes in our states. So you're seeing really rapidly states are trying to combat this. Uh, there's a lot of bills being introduced right now that Sportsman's Alliance is tracking that are going to impact firearm owners. How does that, uh, so Utah outlaws that, but how does that get tracked on online retailers? If you're I don't know. Purchasing online? I don't know. Um, I would imagine they tie it to where the state, had, like similar to taxes. It's probably similar to, to the Nexus. Yeah, because the store chooses what they want to be called with the, with the when they sign up for, you know, an, an account. Um so now it's like sporting goods, but it's right. going to be It could another. be sporting goods. It could be whatever. And I think what the states are doing is they're making a law where it says if you make more than 50% of your profits from firearm sales and you do not tell the credit card company that you are a firearm merchant, you try to say you're just sporting goods, then the state would fine you, you know, or whatever. 
So you could still, you know, claim yourself when you're signing up for a business account as whatever you want. The states thought, are just saying. I thought those came from your tax code. Do they yeah, not but, tie back to your tax code, which is no? Because, I mean, think about setting up if you're brand new starting up. A, I mean, yes, you might in your tax, depending on the state, you might define when you're setting up your taxes or your state business license, what you are. I think it's your federal tax ID. Yeah. The, the but still, you're, whoever's starting the business decides what they want to be classified yeah. as. Regardless, the way they want to use this is crazy. Uh, the the New York Attorney General wants to track data for mass shootings and gun trafficking. But see, I don't know from those codes how you can... That's that's the thing about this. is um, After you talked about it, I, I pulled up a couple articles and read on it. You mean after we did the first version of this? Yes, 30 seconds ago. <laughs> I looked at my phone and read an article, and this is what I'm going to tell you about it. Um, no, but it was basically saying they wanted to use this information, the merchant tags, to... Um, find and flag suspicious activity for guns and ammo however it would not disclose what they bought it would disclose um the amount of money it was so you could go to bass pro and buy a twelve thousand dollar boat or however much money they Mm -hmm. are and it'd be like okay you just bought twelve thousand dollars worth of firearms and ammo like, what are they doing with this? And I, then that's my question. This how, is like there's no way to distinguish. Yeah. When Erica's getting all of her meth ingredients, she knows to <laughs> yeah. go stop at multiple stores, and you don't buy all the ingredients at one store. We've all seen Breaking Bad, Dan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then also, doesn't this um, probably just the local guy, like the small shop, doesn't that just kind of hit them more? Because you know. Like all these bigger shops, like Walmart and Bass Pro, they're gonna like not yeah. get the merchant tag, right? But it these may not smaller be the shops, higher percentage of what they're selling, like it would be at right. a local shop. But then the smaller shops are gonna be like, well, we just got hit. But then, what are you doing with the data of like you may or may not went to a firearm shop and you bought this amount of money? Like, how does that really connect to flagging a suspicious purchase? I mean, we we know how slow the government works in general, and it, so they're going to flag somebody, and then what are they going to send agents to somebody's they will house? Never, they will like never it, do an investigation. The goal no of this sense. legislation is to incentivize credit card companies to decline purchases coming from um, play, firearm retailers. So when you try to run your card, it'll get declined because Amex is afraid that they'll get sued if... They finance a gun if they allow someone to purchase a gun and it's used in a bad way later. I think I, I, I'm getting into I I think I read when I was reading about this that some of the credit cards are, companies are saying they're not going to track this regardless. I like that so, they, because then them, they can say like some of them are, but if they're forced to by the government, well, yeah, if they get forced to, but I think they're they're already getting ahead of it and saying like, hey, we're not tracking this. I mean, like we right. don't even want to know. We don't want to know. <laughs> it's, it's I think I'm, I'm again. I know we do this all the time where we yeah, it's very similar to you know states that have legal medical marijuana and they're not allowed to use traditional banking because their banks are worried that mm-hmm. all of a sudden the federal government's going to crack down on it, and so they're dealing in all cash. And they have to have private security. And you know what is a better target than a store full of cash and pot? It's a store full of cash and guns. So it'll just increase crime. And the only people that would be getting guns would be getting them in illegal ways because they can't get them the legal way easily. And, yeah. and like I said on our previous podcast that we weren't recording, um, you know, this is to me, it's no different than. You know, a credit card saying you can't 
subscribe to the New York Times because they're too left, and that'd be a First Amendment right thing. You can't, you know, donate to a certain church. That'd be an abuse of your religious freedom. This is a constitutional right. You're doing nothing illegal. The government shouldn't be able to make it harder for you to exercise your rights, in my opinion. I just don't understand people who are of the govern me daddy mindset. Like, I just don't, I don't want more. Yeah, uh, it's people who would never buy a gun. Yeah. Who are like, oh, yeah, I I don't need a gun, so why would I, you know, I don't care about this. And if they're telling me it'll make the streets safe or whatever, and then all of a sudden something happens and you need a gun, and now you're like, you're screwed. You can't can't get it. Um, So it's frustrating. The only way that I see that this could work is if like someone is like hopping from like a firearm place to firearm place and just like buying like 500 here 3,000 here 500 there like whatever but but what is wrong with that i'm not i'm not saying that there is anything wrong with it but then they're like flagging it but also like is that not why that we you have to like run the check when you're purchasing a firearm the in the first place, check. right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, like, should and that not to, send off a flag? What if somebody's getting ready to go out west and they're going around to a bunch of different stores and they have because they can't find everything they need that day? Yeah. You know, it's like you could easily get flagged, and now your yeah. your credit card dies. You get flagged. You can't use it. Your trip leave. You leave in the morning, and like, how screwed are you? You know, it's like that would suck. The yeah. other thing the ATF is trying to do is they are trying to pass a law where if you sell a gun with the goal to make a profit knowing that you will make a profit off of that gun sale, you have to have an FFL, which means if I was going to sell you a gun and I was going to sell it to you for more than I paid for it because I got a deal on it, I would have to have an FFL, which yeah. is functionally like a universal background check. Dude. Yeah. If you're at if you're at a gun show, you know, you get a local gun well, show. Well, that might be where that's coming from because they're trying to crack down on gun shows more in general. Yeah, but you, you know, your granddad died and you have, you know, two old shotguns in your truck that you got for free, and someone at the gun show is like, oh, I love those guns. I like to buy one, or a dealer, you know, you go up to someone's booth, and it's like, hey, you deal with old shotguns. I've got two old shotguns for my granddad. Can't sell it to him without an FFL. Any of this stuff just breeds more crime. Like, yep. you really think about it. So now people are just going to blatantly break. Blatantly yeah, all break the statistics. Law. I mean, any statistics you look at as far as if you make it harder to do things legally, more people do it illegally. And that's, you know, the argument you have with drugs, with abortion, with anything. It's the harder you make it to do it legally, the more people are going to do it illegally. And for a society, that's generally worse. Oh, Dan, that was mighty depressing. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, did you all get out this weekend? Uh, we did some hiking. It was honestly beautiful weather, sunny. As Erica and I have discussed in the office, it's been depressing. My wife was ex- having an extreme case of uh, the the winter was it winter blues or yeah. She was ready to get outside. It was nice this, out uh, this weekend. Yeah, so it was like in the fifties here. So we got outside two days and i did a trail race which was um one i'm running through this course and i'm like i would love to go here and shoot a deer because there's all these nice mm. funnels and uh, really cool trail race and then took the kids hiking so where was your race at uh jefferson memorial forest mm. yeah like a real race or you were just no, like not running? a competitive race oh. i mean it was just for fun there were other people there Yep, there were other people there. <laughs> I didn't know if you were like. 
just I'm on the starting line by myself. Just it reminds me, my, I, think, I came in first place. How many like, other people were there? No, I also one else. came in last. It was crazy. <laughs> no, yeah. listen, I thought that you know, like on Super Mario, you can like race against a ghost. the ghost. So yeah. I was like, maybe he was just racing against himself. Nope, it was real people. <laughs> uh, actually, a very very fun race. It, the what's cool about the trail racing community, and not to disparage like road racing, or even cycling. Uh, the trail running community is very warm, welcoming, out to have fun, joking around with each other, helping each other. Um, I've been part of other situations and other races that hasn't been as, as fun and relaxed. Um, but it, what was cool is that they let dogs run this race with people. So oh, there was just cool. guy come in behind me like five minutes after me with a golden retriever. And um, it's uh, on single track trail. So there's a lot of people that have to like slow walk up. Some of them were very steep. People were walking in general. Mm. So it, this is not, it wasn't super competitive. If you were going to be competitive, you need to be on the front line to try to get did out. Did they wave everybody. you guys? Like, did you go out and waves? No. no. Mass start. Yeah. That's the only bad thing about the dogs. Did they have to start in the back? Uh, I didn't notice them at the start. Yeah. Because so there wasn't a start. lot of people yeah. that had them. Um. But you got some people – so the, the race was 6 miles, 15 miles, and then 32 miles, I think, was the highest. Was some 50K or some whatever it is. And so everybody starts together. Um, pe- some people have trekking poles because they're doing the full long thing. It was, it was fun. How Good long time. did you do? I did the 6 miles. But I texted Brad afterwards, and I was like, after finishing that, I finished the race with more gas, and so I totally could have done the 15 or even 10 more because the the sections where it was really steep and people were just hiking up the hills and stuff, you really kind of gained a little bit back. You didn't overextend yourself. So there was benefits and drawbacks to it being a crowded race that you kind of saved some energy. But I hated waiting because I'm impatient. But it was fun. Did you get out? Um... Yeah, not really. We we went to like a park that we had not been before and went on a little like trail walk and then it was along a creek. And so t- um my son was like, "Can we go fishing here?" And I was like, "Number one, we don't. We I, we came here to walk and I didn't bring fishing poles, but we can certainly come back." And he was like, "I am where we thought would be a good spot." And there's like a little bridge and stuff. What creek is it? Indian Creek. Is that, isn't that the creek that you all went to and floated? Just another section? In Indiana? Yeah. We went to one in Indiana. I don't think it was called Indian Creek. I can't remember, though. Mm. What city was it in? I suspect it was. It's out toward Corden, right? It's in Corden. Yeah. 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 Okay, then, yeah, Yeah. we did do that. Yeah. When I say creek, it's like a larger creek. There's supposed to be good smallmouth in it. Yeah. Oh, we didn't see any. And there was a huge section. It was like it was, a, it was weird because it was like uh, uh, the bottom was like bedrock, and there's this huge section where, and there's all these houses along the creek, and there's this huge section, and it's only like a foot deep, and the bottom is just straight up bedrock, and it's fast moving water. I stripped any no soil can can be there, so you could throw a treble hook lure, and it's just bouncing along the rocks, mm-hmm. not hooking into anything. And I had a little. Um, mini diving like one foot diving little tiny crankbait and i was just casting and i could see fish chasing chasing it but we're just moving too quick i guess and Hmm. 
Couldn't get any bites. Do you know where he's talking about? No, you'll have to show me later. So that bedrock, as it starts to get sunny and warm up and the water's colder, that shallow bedrock area would be good. I wonder, like in the park we were at, I wonder how many people like fish it all the time, though. I don't like know. There was, a, there was a decent fish. amount. It was a typical go wild fishing trip where half the people's gear broke and <laughs> that no was one caught one anything. Didn't break, get caught in a tree and have to like pull all the line off of his Yeah. Head. And so they were like just waiting at the put out for an hour for, for I think Derek and I Wait, to catch up. Wait, is this out. the one where he got like something wrapped around his hand and he almost Yeah, pulled? I think so. Yeah. I think his boat was at jeopardy of flipping because he was stuck in a tree sideways. <laughs> yeah. Huh. I didn't get it from that, but. It was fast moving water. Okay. But yeah. I'm pretty sure it was in Indian Creek. It could have been. We went to a nice brewery that was like at a rail station that was right next to the creek. Anyways. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything fun. Cleaned out my garage. I got all my hunting stuff out of my garage. Now it's in my basement and I've got like a whole other day. I'll have to go down there and sort that out. And I'm like, well, I don't have anywhere to turkey hunt at this point. So I might just do like a full deep clean, get everything sorted away. And, and then. What happened to your. Uh, it's the same spot I lost last year. Okay. So I'm I'm going to text that guy and see if anybody's out there this spring. But if you lease it, normally you have it for the year. So I don't know when that guy's lease started. Um, but I'm going to check on it. But as mm-hmm. of right now, i got no turkey spots. I might go down to southeastern Kentucky. There there are a good amount of turkeys down there. In fact, when my car died and I had to walk off that mountain at daybreak, when I finally got like three and a half miles down, I was here in Turkey. Coyotes were, were howling, and they were setting off these gobblers, and I heard like eight of them. I mean, all the way down the ridge. Um, but I've got a few spots that I'd like to go try out, and I don't think I don't think it'd be as competitive down there for turkeys as it is for deer. You need to do Taylor Spill with us. Jacob, you need to come back to it too. Where I went. Was that uh, public? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I went, did my deer hunt there, uh, I was in this spot that was kind of secluded, uh, and I was up in the tree, and I saw a group of six or seven turkeys probably just off in the woods. I made a mental note, and I'm going to come back here in the spring. See, that's the thing about public hunting and turkeys is that I swear I'll shoot somebody by accident. Like, I mean, I know, like, but, like, how do you know that it's not, like, someone else calling, and you're just, like, basically calling back to another human? I'm pretty sure we hunted a guy for a little bit last year. But you just go until you – you stop calling or they stop calling or you see each other <laughs> yeah i mean, I mean i'm know. never gonna pull the trigger and and like not like if i'll see the turkey i'm not gonna shoot a human yeah i mean the deer real, hunting the area is a lot sketchier if you're yelping really? back and forth and it sounds like you yelping at yourself it's probably another person I, there was a <laughs> I, I did that on private i mean it can happen on private too I, I there was i finally got to where i realized it was a a person because it was coming from this barn and it was just uh when i stopped it was every five minutes so they were like Mm -hmm. watching and waiting a timer and it was the same it was like terrible um but uh yeah i figured out it was it was a hunter so um but i might go down and i mean there's a ton of land down there to explore so i might go down for a weekend see my parents and put in some turkey turkey hours yeah, we gotta do something. Braden says he's gonna buy a Kentucky turkey tag this year. So, what is that? How much is that? I don't know. Probably I looked a up a hundred bucks. Yeah, I looked up Indiana. It was like two hundred dollars or something. It's like that's a little bit more than I'm willing to pay to kill a bird. Yeah, I looked up. Um, so my brother, he lived in Indiana. We are from Indiana, but then he now has moved over the river to Louisville, and he was like, "Oh, I'll come hunting deer," and I was like. 
homie, you changed your license. You can't be doing that. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And so we looked it up to see how, like, just a, a buck tag was. And it was like 500 some odd dollars yeah. for non-residential. Wow. Which I thought was. That's crazy. A lot. But, yeah. I'm gearing up. I didn't do anything this weekend. But I got a bow coming. A new bow. First bow. Excited for that. Got all the gear going on with that. I bought one of Jacob's old fishing rods. Bait caster. And reel. And reel. What bow did you get? Uh, the legend? No, the legend. legend. XR. Yeah, the legend XR from Bear. From Bear. It's honestly the smoothest shooting bow I've drawn. Oh, you have one? Mm, no, but I shot it when we went to ATA, and he was oh. trying some out. What draw length did you get? Eight. Thirty-one <laughs> inches, I think, is what the max is out at. I'm not sure. I'm I'm still learning. I got a lot of reading to do on everything. I've got some. Dan's gonna pull that thirty-one. He's gonna be like (laughs) hovering over his. I mean, it seemed fine at ATA. They didn't adjust it, so I'm assuming he's probably got a couple more inches to go. LeBron James. His wingspan's crazy. Yeah, I went to a tailor once. I think I've told this story before. I went to a tailor once. I said, "Uh, "These sleeves are too short on this jacket." And he goes, "No, your arms are too long." Because you do not have normal arms. <laughs> um, but um, that's why I always wear my sleeves rolled up. Do you have to put your, they don't reach. They don't reach. Do you have to put like, your scope like massively forward on your gun so you don't? No. That, that Does that make? No. no. I'm okay being kind of scrunched up a little bit. Like when I drive my truck, I have my knees almost touching the dash, which is weird for a lot of people. I do too, but that's just because I'm. Mammal. Yeah. Um, but now we're gearing up. We got our solar binoculars and solar glasses for the solar eclipse coming up. Did you? Are you booking in the same campground? I, I don't know. It's going to be touch and go until that weekend, just because we're going to be in Georgia that week before. So yeah. We may just like squat in her front yard at the campsite. Yeah, we'll probably because you're there the day before, right? The solar eclipse is on Monday, and that Friday is my birthday, so. We're camping Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then uh, we're going to leave Tuesday because they're talking about how the traffic is going to be so bad. It was the the last solar eclipse. It was literally we were driving. We were in um, southern Illinois, Carbondale, and we were driving through these towns. I mean, it was thousands of people. We were at Garden of the Gods State Park. and we were driving through these small towns that had like one stoplight, and that one stoplight would just back up traffic, you know, nonstop. Uh, and you'd go through these small towns, and literally everyone would be out on their porch because they've never seen some. It was like a parade for them. Like every house you went by, they're just like, I've never seen this many cars really? before in my People life. People also just sit on their porches a lot in small towns. True, but this was literally. You thought it was for you, yeah. and they were just like. There's, There's a mean, reason they leave couches. Because, I mean, literally, we were going through areas that didn't have the solar eclipse. Probably people didn't know that the solar eclipse yeah. was going on and they it looked like those scenes from like apocalypse movies where like the meteors coming and like you know just as cars everywhere on both sides of the the road uh so people probably thought like what is going on I, you know why are there so, why is there so much traffic is there a tsunami coming or they did know about the eclipse and then saw the line of traffic and they thought the world is ending it's coming through that was there. my favorite scene in uh apocalypto you remember that movie no, it was about the Mayans or the Inca, the Mayans, and you know they knew uh, the the solar 
um, patterns and knew when an eclipse would come and they would do human sacrifices up on the pyramids for crops or whatever. So like the high priest knew that there was going to be an eclipse that day. And he's like, we're going to sacrifice this virgin. And he's like watching. And like, as soon as that sacrifice at the eclipse happens and all of everyone's like, Oh my goodness, the gods are speaking to us. And he's just like, yeah. Tecumseh did the same, not yeah. sacrificially, but yeah. did a, a foretelling based on an eclipse too. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you wow. giving me that look? That was a Give me a nerd look like I'm no, a nerd. You are a nerd. It is nerd. I mean, it's, it's nerdy, but it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, okay, I did. There was a podcast many months ago where Dan started talking about the eclipse. And, and I was like, rag, you, you are a dummy. <laughs> and then I started. Oh, I wasn't giving him the face over the eclipse. It, it's his movies that he comes oh, up. He okay, always okay. has like a, have you seen Apocalypse this movie though. from 1979 that was directed by. Was a big movie. Mel, Mel Gibson directed Apocalypto. <laughs> Well, <laughs> says a lot. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, everyone was ragging on me. And yeah. it was the same thing, I will say, with my tactical lever action. And then Sean Do, You know what? Who was ragging on that? I don't think uh, anybody every, ragged on it. Everybody was like, this is weird. Because yeah. I, I had never, It'd like, the, right when you, you did it like two years before, and now, two years I, ago, I, right? I, yeah, but I've it? had that gun for a decade. No, I'm just saying, yeah. like, you, you, like, yeah, yeah. camoed it out and everything. But You're then, just a trendsetter. I yeah, know. I'm just this year at the show, the, the lever action guns were all, all the rage. What, what's Everyone. your hot tip? What what what's coming up in in two years? What's coming up in two years? Like, what do you have uh, now? Uh, I think the I think the hot thing is going to be you know I'm looking at this Springfield Echelon, and the new Sig P320 also has these things where they're serializing the fire control group, which is like the hammer and the trigger, and it's like a little metal chassis that sits inside the plastic gun. So that's what's serialized. So you can take it out and put it in a full-size gun. You could take it by a mm -hmm. separate grip for a, a compact or a, a carry gun, use different barrels, and mix and match. So it's almost like having a suppressor where you're registering the suppressor and then you can put the suppressor on many different guns. This you could have many different grips and you just pop out the trigger assembly and set it into a new grip, you know, so you could have a grip that a large grip for me and my wife could have a medium grip or a small grip. And, you know, depending on, you know, what you're doing with it, if you're going to the range, you might want a, a five inch barrel. If you're carrying it, you might want a three inch barrel. So I think that's going to be the new thing. I think everyone's going to start, uh, serializing the fire control groups in the handguns instead of the chassis of the handgun itself. Yeah, because that's the, my hot tip. There's a lot of custom slides and stuff like that being done too. Ported. Yeah, when we were ported at, slides. When we were at Vegas, um, when we were playing craps, these guys from oh, yeah. Shadow Systems were always uh, at the craps table and just taking all of our money. <laughs> Dude, they're but in academy. I I they're think I in sent a you that link. Like they're, they're I big didn't realize time. they were big like that. And really, they're just Glock clones, and they just kind of up, kind of like um, an aftermarket. They started out as aftermarket slides and stuff for Glocks, and then they're like, we'll just start making our own kind of improved Glock. Um, but as far as I know, they're just they use Glock mags, and they're you know grip angles the same as a Glock. So there's Shadow Systems and Zev, Zev something. Um, but there's a lot of companies that are that are um, just kind of taking a, a standard gun and modifying it. Before we wrap, I have one one little bit of trivia for you guys. Okay. So this weekend, yes, it was the Grammys, but there was a, a a milestone or an anniversary, if you will, of um, Buddy Holly died. 
So you know the story of Buddy Holly dying? You've probably seen the movie, Dan. Uh, the Brad but, read a document or is reading a book on Buddy Holly. No, I read one on Jerry Lee Jerry Lewis. Lewis. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> no, but so I must disparage Buddy Holly. He just Hawley. like yeah, old music's old music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Buddy Holly is a little bit uh, right at the start of Jerry Lee Lewis's career. Your time frame was right, but anyway, so Buddy Holly is exploding. And um, this is right literally. As, well, <laughs> sorry, that's, that, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, his career was taken off. Let's say it that way. <laughs> okay. And, and so he, um, you know, he's one of the biggest names at the time in, in the late fifties. Do you know what country music superstar was Buddy Holly's bass player that did not get on that plane that killed him? Country music. So was he a bass player? Or did he turn to he turned he turned into something else? Willie Nelson. It's a good guess, but no. What time? What is it? Sixty. It's fifty nine. Fifty nine. Is he still alive? Maybe fifty eight. Uh, he, he's not. He's not still alive. Johnny. It's not Johnny. Also a good guess, though. I have no idea. Waylon Jennings. Ah. No way. Yeah, Waylon Jennings was the bass player for for Buddy uh, Billy Buddy Holly and the the Crickets was their band. And what happened was, so back then, their their buses were awful. They would stall. They were cold. Guys would get frostbite on these buses when they'd do tours through the Northwest in the winter. And so this was in January that, that they kicked off this tour. And the uh, j- just right going right into the tour, the drummer literally got frostbite. <laughs> and they their because their bus stalled. They, they went through five buses in 11 days. And Buddy Holly got sick of it, and he's like, I'm flying to the next show. i got to do some laundry. Like, literally, these are the reasons. He's like, I'm just, I'm tired of being on that cold bus. He charters a plane. So his band was supposed to be on the plane, but um, one of the guys that they were traveling with, who would have been a superstar for sure if he hadn't died, um, was the Big Bopper. And he wrote Chantilly Lace that Jerry Lee Lewis later covered. And he wrote, oh God, a couple others I can't think of right now, but three tracks you guys would definitely know. Mm-hmm. And he got the flu. And so he traded out with one of the other band members. Um, and then, um, well, he traded out with Waylon. And then there was another kid, Richie Valens, who was at 17 years old. And his music career was obviously just getting started. And he wanted to be on the plane. And a guy said, I'll, I'll flip you for it. And so Richie Valens won the coin flip. And so Buddy Holly lost two of his bandmates he's like i charted this plane for us and you guys aren't even going with me i hope your old uh, bus stalls out and told that to waylon jennings and waylon jennings said well i hope your plane crashes oh, and, nine, no. and 90 minutes later buddy holly and the whole uh, all five people on board were dead Dang. so waylon jennings goes Dang, on to waylon. to be the biggest thing in outlaw country ever right i mean he I, it's it's like mm-hmm. I get chills thinking about how different country music would have been. Is that when he became the outlaw, or is that the point that he just it, like he, I'm going? He tr- so they actually he tried to finish the tour with him and the other bandmate, and the obviously the venues are like we paid for Buddy Holly, and we don't even know your name, and he was getting like a third of what or even less of what they had booked, so they killed the tour, and Waylon's he had to have started on his solo journey at that point, but I mean he was. You know, beyond being Buddy Holly's bassist, like he was a nobody, you know. But literally, uh, if the Big Bopper hadn't gotten the flu, then we would have had no Waylon Jennings, which means we would have had no, like country music would have been insanely different. So different. Insanely different. So it's crazy to think about. That's good trivia. Yeah. 
I like that one. Me too. Yeah, that one wasn't planned. That was a little spur of the moment. <laughs> I didn't have notes on that one. So, all right. Thank you all to listening to us for rambling uh, around on this episode of Uncensored. Thank you to GunBroker.com for sponsoring the show. Make sure you check out GunBroker for all your turkey needs. And uh, we had Jacob, Erica, Dan, and Brad on this one. So make sure you log time. Uh, we have any GunBroker rewards coming up? I believe we we do. Right? Got to be something. Koozies all gone? Uh, no, we're still s- sending out those uh, camo koozies. Um, there should be another one, though. I guess you're still probably working on yeah. it, getting caught up from shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We still have some. I know hunting season's over, but those orange hats and vests, what are we selling them for now? Like six Deal. bucks, seven bucks? Yeah. For an embroidered Yeah, we got those kind of late. Vest. We got yeah. them a little bit late, so the they weren't as, um, didn't move as fast as some of the other stuff. So. No, we don't want to, and we don't want to sit on them until next hunting season, but if you got room in your gun room for. They're well, nice, too. They're real nice. Yeah, yeah. I All think right. I've got three myself. It's a good Easter gift. <laughs> is it? Or <laughs> Valentine's. Or Valentine's. Yeah, this won't launch in time for that. But no, um, all right. Well, thank you all for listening. Go to Go Wild and log your show and give us a tag. Let us know what you think of our ramblings. Thank you. <laughs>